Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative. I'm to this guy for wisdom. in a new year, but the Democrats didn't get the memo, obviously. They're still stuck in the past. Not only stuck in the past, but focused on things that never occurred and took place. Well, you're listening to me, whether whether you're listening to me after Joe Biden's pathetic, disgraceful lie of a speech about January 6th, the insurrection, or you're catching this before he's given his speech, do not fear, because I can tell you exactly what he's going to say to begin with. It's obvious. It's predictable. It's the same thing we heard last year and every day since January 6th. Joe Biden's going to go out there and give a speech that, of course, his aides are claiming he spent so much of his vacation time writing, so much of his vacation time working on the most important speech of a generation in modern American history. He's going to make sure that we never forget what did not occur on January 6th, the fake insurrection that never was. I am so sick and tired of having to talk about this. I really am. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love talking to you. I love doing what I'm doing. But it's getting old having to combat the same lies day in and day out. The left is relentless in their pursuit of dishonesty. Relentless in their pursuit of lies. And so here we go. Joe Biden's going to walk out there. Well, he's going to, you know, meander out there looking lost like usual. Maybe he'll whisper into the microphone like this. You know how he leans in? January 6th was an attack, an attack on our citadel of liberty, as we heard. So he's going to rehash the same talking points. The point of this is going to be the continued pursuit of holding Trump accountable for something that he didn't do. But let's just backtrack for a minute because we've got we've to address the lie. He's going to come out and talk about how dangerous it was. It was an insurrection. It was not. It was not an insurrection. These people pulled off, if, if, if we even wanted to accept this BS, that this was some attempted insurrection of overthrowing democracy, well, one, it defeated the purpose and was actually counterproductive because the point was we knew that there was evidence, sworn affidavits, hundreds of them throughout the country, factual things that we knew about in terms of their shenanigans. They're stealing the 2020 election. And so on that day, at the Capitol, there was supposed to be robust debates. The Republicans were supposed to point out all of those things that we knew took place, but to bring attention finally once and for all to how the Democrats conducted themselves in an unlawful manner to win the 2020 election. And of course, that debate never happened. It ensured that cowardly Republicans 
and Mike Pence included in them were not going to do due diligence. We're not going to rock the boat because now they were staring into the abyss of a media and a Democratic Party apparatus that was accusing them of trying to overthrow the government with this little uh, tour of the Capitol. And he's going to come out and claim that all these officers were murdered and killed. One person died. Let's just say it. Let's get it out of the way. Ashley Babbitt, unarmed female, was shot dead by a Capitol Police officer who's had no charges brought against him, who has actually been brought on TV to talk about his experience and to be heralded as, heralded as a hero, a hero who murdered, murdered an innocent American citizen, someone who was committing the, the, well, despicable offense of trespassing on federal property. She was shot dead for her trespassing. And so I'm, I'm as tired of it as you are. But they're not going to give this up. This is just simply a new year for them to continue in the same manner they've done, well, since Trump was in office. And so Biden's going to come out, he's going to lie. Trump incited an insurrection is the lie. None of that happened. We know that. Now, there's a piece I want to refer to, Molly Hemingway, the great Molly Hemingway. Now, she has written a piece over at The Federalist, and here's the headline. Exclusive. Biden FBI joins Pelosi in blocking GOP from investigating January 6th. Now, remember, when Jim Banks and other conservative, pro-Trump-oriented congressmen were banned from serving on this January 6th committee. We knew the fix was in, and that this was simply a witch hunt. They didn't want anyone dissenting, anyone in... See, they, they, they don't... This was never an investigation of January 6th. It was a show trial meant to simply rubber stamp the allegation that Trump incited an insurrection from the beginning. That's what it was about. That's why they would not tolerate anybody who had questions. And they went further than this. So now... The FBI is actually blocking the GOP. The GOP has responded to this by trying to actually have a, a the, the actual investigation we should have. The investigation is not about Trump's involvement because he had no involvement. The real investigation is about why a situation was created in which these protesters could even have the possibility of entering the Capitol building in the circumstances. Now, the GOP wants to get answers to this. Why, for example, did Pelosi and others not listen to the warnings of the intelligence community that something like this was probably going to take place? They were told ahead of time, hey, look out. But they did not increase the security at the Capitol, for example. They didn't bolster the Capitol Police presence. In fact, they did the opposite. They did nothing. And then we have Ray Epps, who's the guy who you've seen in the videos, perhaps, who's out there telling people, giving them the orders that they're planning on going to the Capitol. He's the one encouraging protesters on January 6th to storm the Capitol, go inside the Capitol building. Now, this, you would think, would be a person of interest in this investigation. Now, a lot of people obviously got caught up in this. They found themselves 
walking through an open door in which they were permitted to enter the Capitol building in the first place. Others, of course, did get into uh, uh, rough housing with the Capitol Police in which there, were, there was fighting, uh, broken windows, for example, damage to the Capitol building. And these individuals have all been tracked down, hundreds of them, tracked down by our FBI. Many of them are sitting in solitary confinement 23 hours a day because of trespassing. None of them have been charged with inciting an insurrection. None of them have been charged with anything close to that. Most of them are misdemeanor offenses. And yet the one man who was on video, who seems to be orchestrating this whole thing, has yet to be arrested. That's an interesting question, is it not? Who is Ray Epps? What was Ray Epps' role in this? But Nancy Pelosi and this committee are, interestingly enough, not interested at all in finding out what Ray Epps' role. Ray Epps is not a person of interest, even though he is the most vocal person, the only person who has been caught on camera seemingly interested in orchestrating an insurrection. Not of interest. And so the GOP, the Republicans have their own investigation trying to look into the preparedness or lack of preparedness, we should say, lack of response of the U.S. Capitol Police and other law enforcement agencies to the Capitol riot. Well, guess what? Their investigation, their inquiries for information is being blocked by Joe Biden's FBI. They will not permit them from gathering information. The same information that has been provided to Nancy Pelosi and the January 6th phony committee. So the FBI told Jim Banks, who's a Republican rep out of Indiana, they won't provide Republicans the same information they provided to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's handpicked committee, consisting of what? Only of Democrat-appointed members. This isn't a bipartisan effort. This is a scam, just like everything else the Democrats are up to. So they were denied. And she goes on in this article, and she gets into other things. So on September 3rd of last year, Banks asked Christopher Wray, who was the FBI director, he asked Christopher Wray to give Republican lawmakers the same briefing offered to the Democrats on the progress of the agency's own investigation. And they were told, no. The requests have been met with radio silence from the Biden administration. Um... So I want to get into a couple other things from this article. I'm scrolling through here. So despite significant degrees of separation, she's talking about, Hemingway's talking about Trump's separation. He wasn't involved. He's not close to this incident. There's no evidence that he was inciting an insurrection. So significant degrees of separation on Trump's part, which includes the fact that the Capitol assault, if you will, it began 20 minutes before Trump was done speaking. Interesting. The guy who incited the insurrection wasn't finished with his speech. 20 minutes before he ended it, people were taken to the Capitol. He also, of course, made explicit calls to remain peaceful, to march peacefully, he said the word. And then they had the failed impeachment with fabricated evidence. And despite all of this, which proves that the January 6th committee's allegation is not true, they still... They still are pursuing the same narrative, still treating this riot and the rally as 
some notorious insurrection, the most dangerous threat to democracy in modern American history. And McCarthy's right. I don't like McCarthy, by the way. I like to say that because he is a coward. But he's quoted in this article saying that, you know, Pelosi's investigation, of course, seems predetermined to support only a partisan political narrative. Of course. Of course. So the questions we actually want, we're not able to get. Why was the Capitol so vulnerable on January 6th? Why did Nancy Pelosi take unprecedented steps to kick members of the minority party off the committee? Now, Pelosi, of course, is not interested in bringing anyone who could actually enlighten us as to what happened on January 6th. She's only interested in bringing in Republicans, whether they are congressmen and women, whether it's Mark Meadows, who was the once former chief of staff to Donald Trump, whether it's now Sean Hannity and other Republicans in media. No, they're only interested in dragging them through the coals for nothing. They want to destroy political opposition. For example, the committee has refused to hear testimony from who? A whistleblower. Now, we had a whistleblower come forward shortly after the events of January 6th. He was a Capitol Police officer, and he was a high-ranking Capitol Police official. He had firsthand knowledge of the department's response to the attack. And he sent congressional leaders this scathing letter. And he accused two of the Capitol Police Force's senior leaders of mishandling the intelligence that was given to them about warning them of January 6th and them doing nothing with the intelligence. They didn't give it to anybody. They didn't enlighten anybody. They didn't pass the warnings on. And then they failed to respond during the riot. The whistleblower, he accused... He accused those in charge, those responsible for bolstering the police, who were in charge of the Capitol Police, leaders of that department, of choosing not to help officers once they were under attack on January 6th. He actually alleges this whistleblower, maybe it's a she, I think it's a, whatever, the whistleblower alleges that Pittman, this is who's in charge of the Capitol Police, lied to Congress even about an intelligence report the Capitol Police received before that day's riot. And the whistleblower, without naming specific lawmakers, he accused congressional leaders of having purposefully failed to tell the truth about the department's failures on that day. He accuses Pittman of lying to Congress about a key intelligence report that they received in late December. That report noted that there was a blog, okay, called the Donald.Win. It posted a map of the Capitol campus and that commenters on that site called for protesters to carry guns and confront members of Congress on January 6th. Now, nobody brought guns. It didn't get to that point. That's why to call it an insurrection is outrageous to begin with. But they had warnings that people were going to storm the Capitol with guns, and they did nothing. And so in this whistleblower's view, they had all the intelligence they needed to justify demanding, for example, reinforcements from the National Guard, closing the doors to the Capitol, common sense, And using tougher but not lethal weapons on the morning of January 6th to deter such behavior as this. But they didn't share the intelligence with the right people. And they did not provide a security plan. 
This whistleblower was there on the ground and he said what I observed was them mostly sitting there blankly looking at the TV screens showing real-time footage of officers and officials fighting for the Congress and their lives. It's my allegation that these two, with intent and malice, opted to not try and assist the officers and officials, blame others for the failures, and chose to try and use this event for their own personal promotions. Bingo. And that's the point of all of this. Ray Epps, I mean, look, our gut tells us what's true. Their lack of effort and interest in actually getting to the bottom of how this could take place tells us what. They were up to no good. They were involved in this. At a minimum, they wanted this situation to unfold as it did. And at worst, which seems even more likely, they were prepared for this riot. Not prepared to deter it, prepared for it to happen, assisting, aiding and abetting to ensure that this looked like a bad riot at the Capitol. So they were prepared to say what? We have an insurrection so that then they could target their political opponents, target Donald Trump, Try and destroy his political career, destroy him from having, prevent him from even having a public like life after the presidency. And then, of course, to silence, to destroy their political opposition. This is why we talk about the Reichstag fire, right? Germany, Nazi Germany, a Dutch communist sympathizer is arrested after allegedly lighting the parliament building in Germany on fire. Adolf Hitler, the very next day, that same day actually, because it took place in the morning, went and accused the Communist Party of plotting future insurrections against Germany. And then, bada boom, bada bing, guess what happened next? The communists were thrown out of office, they were arrested, they were charged, the Communist Party leader was eventually executed. And that's how the communists that were destroyed. The political opposition of the Nazi party was destroyed and the Nazis seized de facto ruling majorities in power in Germany. That's how they seized control. And that's what this was always about. We know it. But the media is not interested in this. And so January 6th today, they're just going to rehash this because they're desperate. They don't have anything else. They fear Donald Trump. They fear you and me. And they're not popular. I'll give you an example. They are in so much trouble right now. Joe Manchin, do you know that his popularity since opposing the Democrats' agenda as a Democrat has nearly doubled? That's right. There's a, a new poll. And those who strongly approve of the West Virginia senator, Joe Manchin, they've gone from 17% to 32%. What does that tell you? The Democratic Party is not popular. They're in deep trouble. They have gone so far in exposing themselves as the radical communists and totalitarians that they are that more and more people are waking up and turning against them. That Joe Manchin can have soaring popularity while Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have embarrassing, unprecedented low approval ratings. And that's what this is about. This is a weapon in their arsenal. It's all they have. So they want to use January 6th, pump it up so that people continue to hate Republicans, to come to the side of the left, and of course, to give credence, to give some kind of justification for the totalitarian maneuvering that's going to take place for the rest of this year, calling for getting rid of the filibuster. We'll get to that in a minute. That's back on the docket again, getting rid of the filibuster. Anything to get rid of Republicans who incited an insurrection. That's right. Republicans represent 
a danger to democracy. We want to overthrow the government, not the left, even though they are actually guilty of sedition, actually guilty of trying to subvert the will of the people in 2016. Not Republicans, Democrats. Democrats who staged a very real coup, a coup against Donald Trump to try and oust him from office and get rid of him. They are gaslighting us like wild. And now all they have is this voting rights legislation. Because they know they can't win fairly at the ballot box. They need what happened in 2020, stealing that election. And we have a story, by the way, out of Georgia. Now, of course, a year later, a year into this, this nearly a year into this administration, this regime that seized power. Well, now, guess what in Georgia? Wow, there were violations of the law. There was ballot harvesting that took place. How about that? How about that? These were the questions and concerns we raised early on before this regime was installed, but we were told we couldn't say that. We were conspiracy theorists. We were threatening democracy. We were silenced. They established the phony office of the president-elect to force the idea that this was a done deal. There was nothing that Republicans could do. The fake ballots were in, the dead people voting, that was already taken care of. The ballot harvesting taken place, the law had been violated, but doesn't matter, you can't contest it. You can't contest it. Anyway, I'm going to take a short break. This is Drew Allen. I'll be right back with you. What will be told the moment Joe Biden got his uh, close to 81 million votes? It's done. It's settled, just like... Man-made climate change, settled science, everything's settled. Don't ask questions. Uh, you're not allowed to, to, to investigate. You can't raise questions at all. You just have to accept what the Democratic Party and their propagandist media are telling us. There's no election fraud. There's not enough evidence. There's not enough cheating to even change the results. This is a conspiracy theory. This is the, the Republicans rejecting the will of the people. But of course, to get back to what I'm talking about in Georgia, so Georgia, unlike California, well, it is illegal in Georgia for a third party to pick up and drop off ballots for voters. That's what's known as ballot harvesting. And so according to reports now out of Georgia, at least, at least, at least 242 people made over 5,000 ballot drop-offs during the Georgia Senate runoff elections. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, who is no friend of ours, by the way, he rubber-stamped the election in Georgia. But now, of course, a year later, he's suddenly saying, credible evidence was given to us that people were harvesting ballots. Well, thanks a lot, Brad. Where were you when it mattered? Where were you when it could have made a difference? Where were you when we were making the same allegations and you were shooting us down and saying, sorry, not on my watch. Everything's good. Everything's clean here in Georgia. We have faith in our election process. We have faith in election integrity. And now what is he doing? Saying, oops, we have credible evidence that illegal ballot harvesting took place in Georgia. And so now they're looking into subpoenaing that person who they're calling John Doe to get the information. 
So he got a detailed complaint from a conservative watchdog group called True the Vote. You know, the people who are actually doing his job for him, looking into the failures of the election systems throughout this nation. So a Georgia man has told True the Vote, given them an account, that he was paid $10 per ballot he delivered. And Trump, of course, argued that ballot harvesting and other election fraud had occurred. He pressured Raffensperger to conduct audits. And what did Raffensperger say? Pretty much nothing. Nah, he's, he's, he's making up this stuff. We're in Georgia. We're on the ground. We've got it under control. And now he's admitting Trump was right. How many times does Trump have to be proven right? How many times do we have to be proven, proven correct? So states like California, of course, allow ballot harvesting because it's ripe for fraud, where you can go and take a ballot from someone else and cast it for them. Gee, what could possibly go wrong? So Raffensperger, he says we outlawed this because we think that the only person that should touch the ballot is the voter and the election worker, and there shouldn't be any people and intermediaries in between. Well, no kidding. No kidding, Brad. And so now he's saying, you know, this has been going on in Fulton County since 1993. It's gross mismanagement, disorganization up and down the line. But he didn't say that. He didn't say that when the election was actually taking place. We didn't get the information, he says, until November. So it's really almost a year after the election. I don't know why people were holding on to it. Why didn't they bring it to us right away so we could have done an investigation immediately, said Raffensperger. But be that as it may, we got the information to open an investigation, and that's what we're going to do. Too late, Brad. Too late. Now you have to send a copy of your driver's license to get your absentee ballot, said Raffensperger. Also, the drop boxes have been moved inside. So this is what we're talking about. Election fraud took place, and but for election fraud, Joe Biden would not be bringing havoc, wreaking and decimating America at present. But Raffensperger, it's not better late than never. This is why there's no faith in the integrity of elections in this country. Because we call it out, and they tell us to shut up and we're liars. And then after the fact, when there's nothing that they can actually do to change the result, now they're willing to acknowledge that we were right all along. This is so outrageous. And, of course, the Democrats have all but admitted that they cheated in 2020 because their Voting Rights Act that they're pushing is going to make the, the shenanigans that took place in an unprecedented fashion in 2020, the law of the land. That's what the Voting Rights Act is about. Eliminating signature verifications. Extending the time that you can vote. Making mail-in ballots, massive mail-in ballots, unsolicited. The law of the land sent to every voter. They want 2020's model that was successful for them to steal the election, the model going forward. And what do they do? They gaslight us time and time again, telling us that Republicans, yeah, 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 we want to destroy democracy by requiring voter ID. We want to destroy democracy by preventing fraud. They're the frauds. And I'm sick of this. 
And it's amazing to me that Democrats sit here and make these arguments. I mean, Mark Elias is the biggest proponent of this. He leads the charge, and he is responsible for participating in the coup attempt to oust Donald Trump from office. He worked for Perkins Coy, who was instrumental in funding the Steele dossier, the fake Steele dossier that was used to bring about the Mueller investigation that made the allegations that Donald Trump had colluded with Russia to steal the 2016 election. And this is the guy lecturing you and me and the American people about how we are trying to subvert the will of the American people. I am so sick and tired of this. You don't, you have no idea. You have no idea. But this is what they do time and time again. But that's not it. We still got to deal with Omicron. Omicron, that's not going away. The mildest form, the least threatening version of the COVID virus, if you will, Well, now we're acting like it's March of 2020. That's why I say Happy New Year to you and me. But the Democrats, it's no new year. They're just living in the past, doubling down on idiocy. So I want to play a clip here first, actually, of a CNN, a doctor that went on CNN talking about Omicron, talking about how it's less severe. Here is what this individual propagandist had to say is less severe. However, I don't want to continue to push that narrative because I think that gives people a false sense of security. That's right. Omicron may be the least severe strain, but she doesn't want to give people a false sense of security. They want you to live this lie that we've been living since March of 2020, that we're all going to die. There is no science backing this. And of course, uh, um, Public officials in major cities across this country are now sparring with teachers unions, once again, that are pushing for schools to close over Omicron. That's right. They're, they're, you know, and it's all focused on cases. All focused on cases. You know, if you tested every person for the cold and you reported cases, that would sound bad. But it's not life-threatening. You live with it. You move on with your life. But the Democrats will not give up this narrative because it's given them control. It's given them control. And, and I got to tell you, here in California, where I live, living in a blue state, people are acting like Omicron is a new lab-created virus. Like we didn't just live and deal with COVID since March of 2020. They're acting like it's brand new. And yet now we have the least threatening, least dangerous strain yet. And we know, of course, the vaccine and booster shots don't prevent anybody from getting the Omicron variant. And so it's like a reset. We're just resetting. People are bringing in testing centers now. They're limiting space available. Restaurants are getting rid of their bars, for example, up here in Napa Valley where I am. They're taking the stools out. Over what? The common cold. This is absolute, utter insanity, the way people are living their lives. But it's not enough for them to be fearful of nothing. They want to force us to change our lives and behavior to suit their hypochondriate. You know, I love the movie, What About Bob? What About Bob? It's hilarious. This guy's a hypochondriac. He's fearful of everything. He's wearing gloves. He's wiping off the the, the doorknobs everywhere he goes, entering and exiting buildings. He's living his life in fear. And of course, it's not a virtue. It is uh, something we laugh at. 
It's a character flaw that he has to overcome in this film, and it's a comedy. But now, instead of hypochondria being something we laugh at, that we say that's a mental problem, now we're saying hypochondria is the way forward. It's a virtue. We all need to be fearful of our lives 24-7 all day long. But anyway, so now they're using Omicron, these teachers unions, to shut down in-person instruction again. That's right. The Democrats are shutting down schools because of the cold. The unions are demanding this long list of mitigation measures. And what are they? Things that never worked before. Doubling down on stupid. Two weeks of remote instruction. Universal masking with it. Now it's N95. Can I ask you a question? How brain dead are Democrats in this country? And honestly, anybody on any side that's so fearful of this, we were told that we had to wear masks. It wasn't N95 masks, the surgical masks that are used in hospitals. It was cloth masks, anything covering your face, a diaper on your face. That was good. That was going to help prevent the spread of COVID. Well, now they're admitting by saying everyone needs to wear an N95 mask that they lied to us all along. I mean, how much longer can we listen to these liars? How much longer are people going to give them an ounce of credibility? They have no credibility. It's been eradicated. And so anytime now these teachers unions, a school staff and students have 20% threshold of infections, they're demanding they shut down and go to remote learning. We know that that students, young people in this country have mental illness now. Their social skills have been greatly, greatly impacted and eroded, not developed. We have harmed people in this country with these lockdowns, with, with removing them from the social aspects of being in school, in person. And now the unions are calling for what? Damaging our children again. We are being held hostage, you and me, and our children by insane people. These are not adults. These are petulant little children that have deep hatred and animosity who are power hungry, who are ruling the country, who are dictating to us how our lives can be lived. That is antithetical to Americanism, antithetical to this country. Held hostage. Remember that. So that's what's going on. Rehashing, living in the past, doing what does not work. And so here's Fauci, by the way. I want you to hear this guy who leftists worship, adore, look to for all of their information to this day, even though he has been proven a liar dozens upon dozens of times. Here is Fauci talking to Dana Bash about Omicron. How should vaccinated and boosted people behave? Can they go into a restaurant, eat safely indoors right now? You know, when you're having such a, I call it a tsunami of infections, Dana, we are seeing people who are vaccinated and boosted who are getting breakthrough infections. So when you're in a situation where you have so many infections going out, The thing that you want to say is that if you want to do things like that, better do them in a setting where you know the people around you are vaccinated and boosted. So in the same breath, 
Anthony Fauci, Tiny Tony, as I call him, admits that people that are vaccinated and have gotten the booster shot are getting Omicron and spreading Omicron. And in the same breath, he says that if you are vaccinated and have the booster shot and you can get Omicron, you should make sure you're not around anybody who is unvaccinated. Is that science? You have to disregard any, any ability for rational thoughts and common sense to listen to this loser, this little petty tyrant that has a Napoleon, Napoleon syndrome. So we've got CNN telling us, well, you know, Omicron's not severe, but we don't want to spread, you know, we, we want to keep people, gen- we want to keep the, the fear ginned up. And then you have Fauci. Well, you can get Omicron, obviously, if you're vaccinated, but make sure you're only around vaccinated people if you get vaccinated. I mean, Whoopi Goldberg of The View just tested positive for Omicron. I thought she was fully vaxxed and boosted, was she not? Oh, oh, I, I, that's right. Okay. It doesn't do anything. You can still get it. You can still get it. I mean, this is why I harp on this, and I don't mean to, 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 to be too repetitive and redundant, but we're living in the dark ages in America. Dark ages where we don't have any, any critical thinking individuals, anybody who questions these liars and losers out there. But that's the result of what is called mass formation psychosis. I want to play a clip in a minute of uh, Dr. McCullough, who was on the Joe Rogan program, who talked about this very thing. But ask yourself the question, I mean, I always do, just because I'm interested. You know, how could, how could Nazi Germany happen? How could so many of the German citizens get down for what took place? Mass formation psychosis. They live a life of fear. They live in a, a, a world in which nothing makes sense anymore, and they're looking to someone desperately for as a savior. And that's where Hitler enters the scene and says, I will solve all your problems. And that's what the Democratic Party has been trying to do. That's this con job of COVID. That's this con job of January 6th. Things are so dangerous, so bad. They've created the scenario. Their propagandists have spread this fear. And they do it intentionally. They leave everyone feeling insecure, discombobulated, where they can't understand the events of the world around them, and the Democrats come in, despite the fact that they caused the chaos, and they say, we'll solve the chaos. We'll make sense of things for you. It's a pandemic of the vaccinated still. They speak their nonsense that doesn't make any sense. It's proven untrue. But people are living in this constant state of confusion, of disarray, where they can't get their lives back, they just, they just want some semblance of normalcy. And despite the fact that the Democrats are responsible for creating the atmosphere so that there is no normalcy, well, they still look to the Democrats to save them because they just want the pain to end. You know, it's like being tortured. You're being tortured. Your fingernails ripped off your finger. Just make it stop. Please make it stop. And the Democrats say, okay, okay, we will make this stop. But it's Stockholm Syndrome. The Democrats have Stockholm Syndrome. They're looking to their torturers, their abusers, fondly. 
They have this weird fetish with loving their abusers. They're used to it. And they listen to these same people who are abusing them to stop the abuse. It makes no sense. But listen to this, and then we'll get into it. From basically European intellectual inquiry into what the heck happened in Germany in the 20s and 30s. You know, very intelligent, highly educated population, and they went barking mad. Um, and how did that happen? Um, the answer is mass formation psychosis. When you have a society that has become decoupled from each other and has free-floating anxiety and a sense that things don't make sense, we can't understand it, and then their attention gets focused by a leader or a series of events on one small point, just like hypnosis, they literally become hypnotized and can be led anywhere. And one of the aspects of that phenomena is the people that they identify as their leaders, the ones typically that come in and say, you have this pain and I can solve it for you. I and I alone, okay, can fix this problem for you, okay? Then they will lead, they will follow that person through, it doesn't matter whether they lie to them or whatever. The data are irrelevant. And furthermore, anybody who questions that narrative is to be immediately attacked. They are the other. <clears throat> this is central to mass formation psychosis. And this is what has happened. We had all those conditions. If you remember back before 2019, everybody was complaining, the world doesn't make sense, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we're all isolated from each other. We're all on our little tools. We're not connected socially anymore, except through social media. Um, and then this thing happened and everybody focused on it. That is how mass formation psychosis happens. And that is what's happened here. And that was Dr. Robert Malone. I said McCullough. I meant Dr. Robert Malone. That was on the Joe Rogan show talking about mass formation psychosis. That the facts be damned. They don't matter. They're unimportant. You and I come under attack. Democrats are just desperate for a solution to the problems. Desperate for understanding. Desperate to make sense of the world around them. But it will not make sense because an alternate reality that is devoid of facts, devoid of, of truth, that is the world that they're being forced to live in. And so they still go to these liars to save them without realizing that it is the Democrat Party who is putting themselves forward as the saviors who are the ones who are annihilating the world around them, who are responsible for this fictional reality that has been created in their minds. And so they'll follow these people. They'll follow Dr. Fauci, Tiny Tony. They'll follow Joe Biden. Regardless of the facts, the facts be damned. And it's a very dangerous thing. But that's where we are right now at present. That's what we're dealing with. And he talks about the other, the othering. That is how genocides come about. Us versus them. That is what January 6th is about. That is what COVID is about. Us, the vaccinated. Us, the enlightened. Us, the Democrats who fought off the insurrection that never was, it's us versus them. And in the name in the name of saving democracy, in the name of saving lives, we can justify any barbaric treatment of our political 
opponents. That is where we are. And it's a dangerous thing indeed. And Fauci is one of these people who is out there promoting this with the COVID myth. And Nancy Pelosi, the Democratic Party, and Biden, that's what he's promoting with this fake, unrealistic, non-existent narrative that didn't take place about January 6th. And it's not the Republicans. It's not you and me that need to make concessions. We are not the problem. You know, Ted Cruz, you know, I don't want to attack and destroy our own side every day because there's a bigger battle ahead. But Ted Cruz came out and he, in his own words, described January 6th as basically, you know, let me find the clip. I'll play the clip of, of, of Ted Cruz and then I'll comment on it. Solemn anniversary this week. Uh, and it is an anniversary of a violent terrorist attack on the Capitol. Now, I can only speculate as to why Ted Cruz is suddenly revealing himself as a coward in the face of the January 6th lie. He's playing into the hand of the left, acknowledging, which is not true, calling January 6th a terrorist attack. That is exactly the case being brought by the liars on the left. So why is Ted Cruz now playing into it? Why is he repeating their talking points? Well, he's got presidential ambitions. He'll never become president of this country. And he is out of touch with the base, out of touch with Americans. And in fact, by conceding, but it's not concession because it's conceding a point that's not true, by saying that this was a terrorist attack on January 6th, he is giving credibility to the investigation, giving credibility to what's going to come for the rest of this year in justifying any attacks against Republicans, including him. So this is a misstep. This is a gross, gross miscalculation on his part because it was not a terrorist attack. There were pipe bombs planted that were reported around Congress, and the FBI mysteriously cannot find those individuals. No reports about them, just people trespassing on federal property. So Ted Cruz has just lost a lot of respect from me. He's looking more and more like other rhinos in the party who don't have the backbone or cojones to stand up to the left because they fear their attacks. They fear what will be said about them. But we can't be like that. We have to stand up and have courage. And Ted Cruz exhibited zero courage there, issuing that statement. This is not business as usual. This is the gaslighting of America. And he just gave them a talking point. He just betrayed the American people betrayed the people being held in solitary confinement who committed misdemeanor offenses, who've had their life and liberty and reputations destroyed in a way that is totally beyond non-representative of the quote-unquote misdemeanors or offenses they committed. 
And so that is frustrating to me because that's a problem going forward with the Republican Party. How can we... Ted Cruz is supposed to be this great proponent of conservatism. You know, someone standing in defense of the Republic, our constitutional Republic, and there he is saying a terrorist attack took place on January 6th, pandering to the left. But he's not going to get any love from the left for making that statement. They're still going to attack and destroy him. It doesn't matter. And that's why I don't understand the miscalculations of Republicans, despite the fact that history and decades of experience in Washington, D.C., dealing with the propagandists on the left and the media, they're never going to come to your aid and defense. You're either a Democrat in 100% agreement with their agenda, or you're an enemy. And so he did no service to himself there and no service to this country in issuing that statement. But anyway, moving forward, this January 6th thing is being used to rubber stamp the Democrat agenda. There's nothing they cannot do. There is nothing that they should not be allowed to do, whether it's get rid of the filibuster or anything else, change voting laws. Because the argument is Republicans are dangerous and Democrats have to take control. If Democrats don't remain in power, Republicans are going to destroy democracy. Donald Trump is going to come back and steal another election. That's the argument. I'm going to take one more short break, and when I get back, we'll close out. I'm going to talk about the filibuster. We're going to play Chuck Schumer. Chucky Schumer. Chuck U. Schumer. What he used to say about the filibuster, getting rid of it, and what he says today, which is more reason more ammunition to my case that I could never be a Democrat because they are awful, terrible, self-serving individuals without a moral bone in their bodies. This is Drew Allen. I'll be right back. Bottom line is very simple. The ideologues in the Senate want to turn what the founding fathers called the cooling saucer of democracy into the rubber stamp of dictatorship. We will not let them. They want, because they can't get their way on every judge, to change the rules in midstream, to wash away 200 years of history, They want to make this country into a banana republic where if you don't get your way, you change the rules. Are we going to let them? No! It'll be a doomsday for democracy if we do. So that was Chuck Schumer, of course, back in 2005. 2005. Talking about ending the filibuster being a doomsday for democracy. And yet today... He says we must adapt. The Senate must evolve like it has many times before. The Senate was designed to evolve and has evolved many times in our history. And yet there he was in 2005 saying the Republicans want to do X, Y, and Z just because they can't rubber stamp everything they want and get it passed. And now that they are having problems, not because of Republicans, but actually because of Democrats like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, who are even saying they're too totalitarian for the likes of them, now Chuck Schumer has changed his tune. Now getting rid of the filibuster is about adapting. It's a good thing. It's a positive thing. 
And of course, the rationale for doing it is what I have said. Make no mistake about it, Schumer recently said. This week, Senate Democrats will make clear that what happened on January 6th and the one-sided partisan actions being taken by Republican-led state legislatures across the country are directly linked, and we can and must take strong action to stop this anti-democratic march. Now, he is echoing the sentiments of all the liars in the Democratic Party who want to federalize elections, who want to make the 2020 model of cheating the model going forward in perpetuity in America, upending over 200 years of history in our constitu- constitutional republic. And this is why the Democrats have no credibility, why they're disgusting, reprehensible people. Now, this is who the Democrats are. This is who they are. Now, recall how Ron DeSantis was called out repeatedly by the leftist media and Democrats for being MIA. MIA because he hadn't given a press conference. Um, you know, giving a press conference is not working. It's not accomplishing anything. Um, a, 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 you know, Joe Biden can go months and months without giving a press conference, and that's, he's excused. But Ron DeSantis doesn't give a press conference for two weeks, and he's attacked as being MIA and not doing his job. Doing a press conference is not doing the job. Um, Talking to the press is not the end-all, be-all of the responsibilities of a governor or any other politician. Those jobs happen when they're not giving worthless press conferences to propagandists who hate them. And so Joy Reid and everyone else were attacking Ron DeSantis. Meanwhile, he had his schedule published. He was working. They could have looked up and seen what he was doing, where he was, what meetings were taking place. And also, they didn't care when it came out that he was actually spending some of his time in that two weeks attending, going with his wife because she has cancer, to chemotherapy treatments. But such barbarians and savages as they are that they do not care. They have no sympathy for the situation in his personal life. He has children. His wife is going through cancer treatment right now, but they do not care. They still attack him. They still attack him. Meanwhile, Joe Biden has been on vacation 25% of his presidency. That's right. Been in Delaware for most of it, always on vacation 25% of the time. But we're told what? When it's a Democrat, well, they're always on the job. He's president. He's always working, even when he's on vacation, right? The job never ends. It's always going, even when they're on vacation. But when Ron DeSantis doesn't give a press conference for two weeks, oh, suddenly it's the end of the world. End of the world. Even though Joe Biden didn't even give a press conference for I forget how many days it was in his presidency. Absolutely ridiculous, these people. And yet Joy Reid still goes on and continues to propel and promulgate a conspiracy theory. Even though she has the schedule that's been released and available, Ron DeSantis has now come back and given press conferences, and still she promotes this fictitious, this lie that Ron DeSantis is lying. He was just on vacation enjoying himself while everyone was dying from Omicron. Never happened. 
I want to tell you a personal story about the Democratic Party because this hits home with me and I hope you'll understand and appreciate it. This is not a sob story. Don't feel sorry for me. I don't feel sorry for myself. That's not why I'm telling you this story for my personal life. I'm telling you this story because there's a theme and it's about who Democrats are, how awful they are, who they are. As you may have heard me talk about repeatedly on this program, if you've been listening to a while, I am a conservative, as you know. I am proud to be a conservative, proud to embrace the ideology of the founding fathers of individualism, individual rights, and freedom. Despite my belief that I've held throughout my life, I've always been around Democrats. And this story goes back to my high school experience at a Jesuit all-male college preparatory elitist high school. All my friends there were Democrats, every single one of them. I did not have a single conservative, like-minded friend. Did not matter. I have one remaining Democratic friend from high school. Now, we had a circle of friends. And this individual was not my best friend in high school, but he was a friend. And it was one of those situations where he was in the friend group and we hung out. He was there. We were friends. But I didn't go out of my way to spend the night at his house or hang out with him. I hung out with him when we hung out together. Fast forward, and he's the only remaining loyal Democrat friend I have who overlooks political differences and understands and analyzes, gets his understanding of who I am as a person based on his personal experience with me, which is nothing short of loyal, nothing short of a wonderful friendship that he is thankful for and grateful for. Well, the friends who abandoned me over the last year since I voted for Donald Trump in the election, they told me explicitly they couldn't respect me anymore, that they thought I was smarter than that, and that I was a terrible person. Well, he's remained, and he was out here in Napa, and I saw him. His fiance posted a photograph of me and him together. He went back home to Texas, where these friends are, still friends of his that are not friends of mine anymore, their choice, not mine. And they gave him an ultimatum. They saw the photo of him with me in Napa. And they told him they didn't understand how he could be friends with me because I am a terrible, I quote, a terrible person. A terrible person who's never done anything harmful to them, who's taken them out to dinner, who has paid for their dinners, who has been nothing but supportive of them, who has shown them nothing but love and loyalty, who they used to admire me and worship the ground I walked on because I, unlike them, took risks. I, unlike them, have lived a very, very colorful life, not in a negative way, living in Milan, Italy, doing everything I wanted, taking risks because that's how I chose to live my life working in Milan, Italy for two and a half years, becoming an actor, becoming a screenwriter, doing all the things they dreamed of doing but were too afraid to pursue. And so they worshipped me for a long time. I was successful while they floundered. And so this friend is experiencing wrath, ultimatums from other Democrats who think like he does because he's friends with a conservative. Now they are jealous, they are hateful, and they are tyrants. 
to tell somebody who they can and cannot be friends with is outrageous. But that's who these people all are. We are the enemy. This isn't based on their experience with us because experience dictates we're not like that. We're not like them. They're open-minded, don't you see? They're smart, intelligent, wonderful, loving, and yet they tell a Democrat friend of theirs that he can no longer be friends with me lest he lose them, lest he be ousted and excommunicated from the friend group because he chooses to be friends with a conservative Republican who they think is dangerous and horrible and terrible. That's who these people are. And I'm talking about the citizens. I'm talking about this mass formation psychosis that I played the clip of. That's who these people are. Absolutely, totally devoid of reason, devoid of love, devoid of any kind of respect or decency. The othering that is happening in this country. They can't even be around me. Do you see how dangerous the situation is, is in America? But I tell you this. Now, I will fight them tooth and nail, and I will fight for this country because the country comes first. But I will continue to show nothing but love, and I will show them and force them to acknowledge that they're liars. That it is they who must look in the mirror and realize that they are the danger to this republic. That everything they know is untrue. They're living a lie. But my heart goes out to my buddy because he shouldn't have to endure this. But that's the pressure they put on people to divide this nation. You can't even be friends, speak, talk to, look at, even think in a favorable way of anyone who is a conservative in this country because we are the enemy of America. That's what they tell themselves. That's what they believe. So I just wanted to relate that to you because I think it's a relevant issue. Because forget the media and everything else. We've got to talk about real life, real world impacts, things happening in our lives. Because that's where we should take our ideas from, experience, life experience, what's going on, formulate our own thoughts and opinions, not just what's force-fed to us from X, Y, and Z. We've got to think critically all the time. But that's what I'm fearful of. But it's my goal and role and my, my, my desire to prove them the opposite. I'll continue to fight for the truth and speak for the truth. I'm not afraid of that. But uh, you're going to hear that a lot. You're going to feel the pressure to do what Ted Cruz did and try and throw protesters under the bus to agree with their narratives, but don't do it. Stand up, stand strong, stand firm. We don't have room for lies on our side. The stakes are too high and all we have to do, what's necessary is to stand up for the truth. Because we're right and they're wrong. And this country is not going to be repaired or fixed by reaching across the aisle and conceding to sin, conceding to lies, conceding to this false worldview they have. It's us who has to educate them. It's us who has to stand up to them confidently and reject their proposals, reject their allegations, and not fear what they say for us. They should fear us. They should fear the truth. Do not cave. Do not give in. Do not give up your principles because they're mean to you. Because they hate you. <clears throat> That's the battle we face going forward. So anyway, 
we hit we hit about you know a little over the hour mark here for this program, but you know here comes Joe Biden, January sixth. Just get ready for it, okay? We know what to expect. He's going to come out, brass knuckles on. He's going to say we've got to continue this investigation. We haven't gotten to the bottom of it yet. We've got to uncover what Donald Trump's role was in this. He incited an insurrection. We're going to hear that lie. We're going to hear the lie that you and I are the most dangerous threat to this republic. We're going to hear the gaslighting. It's going to make us mad. But channel that anger. Channel that anger. And just know. Know that we are right and we have a responsibility to combat that. Don't pull a Ted Cruz. He's disappointed me immensely in this. But um, one other thing I want to end with is this. Anger is not a great weapon. Anger is not something that really can be harnessed in a productive way. Now, it's okay to get angry. It's okay to get angry. That is a valid emotion and definitely an appropriate response to what's happening every day with the left in this country targeting us, lying about us, projecting onto us, and gaslighting us. Absolutely, we get angry. But what we must do is channel that anger in a responsible and useful, effective way. And what I am trying to do more and more, just between you and me, is I'm changing the way I'm looking at this environment we're in. I am excited to be alive today at this moment in our history. Because you and I are unique in all the world. We're Americans. We're Americans. That's something to be proud of, and it means something. And we have an opportunity to fulfill our responsibility to defend this country and ensure that it is passed on to the next generation. That freedom does not die on our watch. Other Americans throughout history have risen to the occasion to ensure that we create a more perfect union and to pass on this great inheritance to future generations. We had a civil war to right the issue of slavery. We had a revolutionary war before that to establish freedom once and for all in a nation. To fulfill this revolutionary idea that our rights came from our creator, not from man, not from government. That we the people had unalienable rights. That we the people were the masters and those in government were the servants. Many have fought before us. And now it's our time to do that as well. Look how fondly we look at the founding fathers, at those who sacrificed during the Civil War, at those even during the Civil Rights Movement who stood up and finally made a stand and said, enough, enough, this discrimination is wrong, and we're going to do the right thing finally to end this injustice. That's what we have to do today with the vaccine passports and the boosters to get your unalienable rights, these businesses who are acting like the individuals 
who happily and willfully prevented black Americans from dining in white establishments? Simply why? Because the government said so. That's what's happening today. The government says so, and the government's wrong, and they're amoral, they're unconstitutional, and they're tyrants. The same people that we fought a civil war to, to, to overthrow, the same people, the founding fathers, fought a revolutionary war to overthrow, we right these wrongs. And I'm not promoting violence. That's not the point of this. In fact, our role is so much simpler because we're not running into bullets right now. That's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about making a simple stand, saying enough is enough, this is wrong. Whether it's mandatory masks, whether it's mandatory this, mandatory that, we have an opportunity. It is our turn to do what so many others have done for us. It is our, our chance to stand up and, and, and be looked back on by future generations as those Americans that defended liberty, that prevented this greatest nation in the history of the world from joining so many other nations in the ash heap of totalitarianism. So let's be excited to be alive today. Let's be excited to be the ones who are actually here to answer that call because we're the ones we've been waiting for, as we've heard before from Democrats like Barack Obama. We're the ones we've been waiting for, and that's true. And we're up to the task, and we can do it, and we're willing to do it. So how exciting. One day people are going to look back on you and me like we look back on the Founding Fathers, the Civil War, Martin Luther King Jr., and the rest. Great Americans who did the right thing and, and rose to the occasion to right the wrongs and injustices and preserve this nation, to improve this nation, to ensure that our children and our children's children inherited the greatest nation still in the history of the world. God bless you all. That's my message to you. And until next time.